Hello, Steelers Nation Radio, and welcome to another edition of the Steelers Blitz here on SNR. Today is the first day of a new format here on the Blitz. We're going to be recording more long-form segments now this offseason, more podcast style, if you will. So on today's episode of the Steelers Blitz, more coaching hires have been finalized by the Steelers organization. Of course, Motes and I react to the big game, the Super Bowl, and everything that transpired on Sunday night. We discuss the NFL awards handed out over the weekend, of course, including the debate around Defensive Player of the Year with T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald. But we start today with the good news we've all been waiting for. Bill Nunn and Alan Fanica finally got their Hall of Fame calls from Canton. Let's get the party started. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Okay, okay, shout out to my man, my partner in crime, Mr. Wesley Euler, with the amazing introduction. Very informative, right? Gave y'all what y'all needed. <laughs> but now, as y'all know, we do this all the time. Some Moats Host Tuesday, baby. So you already know it's Moats and Euler for the next two hours on Steelers Nation Radio, man. And oh, my yeah. man Wes already highlighted the great news, which is Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn finally getting into the hall. It's about time. It's about time. Do you know, um, like the opening scene of the Titanic mm-hmm. when they're talking to old Rose? Absolutely. And she goes, like, you know, she sighs and closes her eyes and she goes, <gasps> It's been 84 years. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how long we've been waiting for these guys to to get their Canton calls. Without Good a doubt. Them. Without a doubt. And you know, it's bittersweet for me. Um, happy because, man, it finally happened. Alan Fanica got the chance, you know, to, to get in. Bill Nunn got in. It's sad, though, because I'm like, Bill Nunn didn't get a chance yes. to, to experience this while he was here with us. Now, obviously, his family's going to get a chance to, you know, um, just hear his name be inducted and, and go through that whole experience. But, you know, it always it, it always makes me feel a little bit down when I think of the work that these guys put in to not be able to acknowledge it in the present, you know? Yeah. But but either way, man, the fact that both of these guys, Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn, were inducted, man, I thought it was huge because we talked about both of these guys. We've listed off the accolades in terms of how Alan Fanica was just dominant as an offensive lineman, man, arguably the best guard during his time. And we saw him move out the tackle at a time during his, uh, his reign and still was dominant out there. We talked about how we thought that he should have been a first ballot guy, but they continued mm-hmm. to make him wait. But, man, it was beautiful to see him finally get in. And with Bill Nunn, man, change the face oh. of scouting, not only for the Steelers because we all, we, we're selfish here in Pittsburgh. We like to just keep him for ourselves and talk about what he did for us and our organization, you know, finding talent from the HBCUs, finding Hall of Famers, being a pivotal part of the dynasty that the Steelers were in the 70s. But then not only that, man, you saw how now around the NFL – that is no longer an outlier. It's no longer far-fetched to go to an HBCU, to go to a smaller school, to, to, to try to find talent off the beaten path. No. That, that, in fact, we're looking for guys who can do that. that that's encouraged now all because of Bill Nunn. So to me, man, the, the, to see both of these guys be able to get that nod in the same class, and, and on top of that, a historic group in, in terms of the way they're going to do the induction, right? Yeah. I mean, this well, cl- class of 21 that they're in, 2021 is amazing. You look at some of the names here, obviously Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, Drew Pearson. 
We already talked about Fanica and Bill Nunn. You got John Lynch, Tom Flores. So that class as it is is already nuts, right? But obviously they said because of the last year's pandemic, they're going to do a joint induction 2020 and 2021. So we're talking about having five Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> being inducted at the same time. You thought Canton, ready, Canton. You thought Canton was crowded beforehand when it was just one or two guys getting inducted. We got five in one year. Get Troy ready, Palomalu, <laughs> Bill Coward, Donnie Shell, Alan Fanica, and Bill Nunn rest his soul. Yeah. Oh, it's it's gonna be a yeah. it's gonna be a black and gold party in Canton Without in a August. Doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and it should be, right? hundred percent. It definitely should be, man. hundred percent. It's Motsi, you're right. I Obviously, Bill Nunn passed away, I believe it was 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so, recently-ish, right? I mean, it, not recently in the scope of, it's not like it was in the last few months or in the last year, but it's not like 2014 was a terribly long time ago Correct. either. Yeah, you you certainly wish he was around to get his roses, but like you said, better late than never. Um, let's start, well, yeah, we'll start with Bill Nunn a little bit more and then Maybe into Alan Fanica as well, too, obviously. And then this entire class as a whole. Because this class is loaded. We talk a lot about how, I think you and I have laid this out on the show, it feels like there's two surefire ways to determine if somebody, at least in our opinions, if Mm -hmm. somebody is a Hall of Famer. And and maybe, you know what, this relates really well to Bill Nunn and to Alan Fanica. The first way we've always said is if, man, if for four years, five years, six years, seven years, a, a period of that time, if you were the best at what you do, mm-hmm. you're probably a Hall of Famer, right? And, and unless you just completely fell off a cliff or, or you know something right, happened right. And, and, and your career unraveled, Alan Fanica checks that box without a doubt. We've also talked about how, you know, it's it's kind of like the Eli Manning, right? How just his career was such a big part of the story of the NFL and what those two Giants teams were able to do in those Super Bowl runs. Mm-hmm. A surefire way to help yourself get into the Hall of Fame as well, too, is that whole adage of, well, you can't tell the story of the NFL without, without yes. blank. Correct. Are the most, you can't tell the story of the NFL without the 1970 Steelers. And you can't tell the story of the 1970 Steelers without Bill Nunn. It is just no that. question. It's just that <laughs> simple to me. And if you want to take it a step further, right, not only for the Steelers to win those first four Super Bowls, and to be, I think, truly the NFL's first great dynasty, at least certainly the first of the Super Bowl era, with all respect right. to you know the, the Bart Starr, Green Bay Packers, and, and Vince Lombardi and those guys. He changed scouting for everyone. Not just it, it helped the Steelers in the seventies. Everyone get a, get get a step up on everybody else. But what Bill Nunn did, you can't only tell the story of the Steelers without him. You can't tell the story of the National Football League and how much he has changed scouting. Just all the conventional thinking of. It was just, okay, well, how fast can this guy run? How many bench or, or press no, 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 reps no, no. can he do? Or, like, or, or are they Power 5 or, or, mili- power or, or five Military guys. Academy military guys? Military Academy it, it was, guys. That was you know, where they were pulling guys from. He completely changed mm-hmm. so much conventional thinking. Uh, you can't understate that. I, I remember <laughs> Mike Pursuta tells this story from time to time mm. whenever Bill Nunn uh-huh. comes up. Uh, Pursuta had the chance to interview him, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, something yeah. like that. 
and was asking him about some of the things that he used to do mm. that his, you know, like people, like his colleagues thought was goof. Like, right, right. like why are you doing that? Like, why? Well, what do you mean you want to see this guy do uh -huh. that, right? One of those things was Bill Nunn, when he would go to schools, when he would go to campuses, when he would go to these HBCUs, right? And he would go and he would watch practice and he would go and he would meet with the guys, right? And he'd talk to their coaches and he'd go and he'd talk to their teachers right. and what's he like in class and all that stuff. And is he a good kid and all those things. He would always look. He would always go to like the campus rec center, Bill Nunwood. Ooh. And he would look for when the next dance was. Okay. Because, you know, a lot of mixers, a lot more mixers and dances back in yeah, the, in the, in the yeah, 60s, yeah. And, you know, the pre-social media right, times. Right, right, right. He would go and watch these guys dance. Huh. Because he would See say. See how fluid they are, right? He would say, yeah. he would say, you'll never get a better look at a guy's footwork than when he's out there trying to cut a rug and Yay. impress a girl on the dance floor. And so, you know. That like, is legit, though. Like, Bill Nunn was talking about how he was laughed at by his colleagues because they thought it was funny. He was going to dances to get a look at these guys. But yeah. that's how uniquely his his craft was. That's the different. <laughs> isn't that like great? Isn't that, that a great God, story? That's he's awesome, like, you got to see if the big guys can dance. Can he move? You got to see, like, see the footwork. If he's falling over his feet out there man he don't stand a chance with his football <laughs> that to me in like in one story if you want to kind of in a nutshell yeah that was bill nunn he Dude, that's awesome the you know it's it's you and i have also made this reference on this show plenty of times before on this on these uh you know on these episodes plenty of times before the most dangerous words right are always because that's the way we've done things mm -hmm. whether you're in business whatever because that's the way we've always done things those are the most dangerous words Bill Nunn, I mean, he flipped that upside down on its head. He went and completely changed how the Steelers did things and then how the National Football League did things. You can't tell the story of the NFL without the 70s Steelers. You can't tell the story of the 70s Steelers without Bill Nunn. No brainer in my book. Man, I love it when you break it down like that. I love when you get into it and, and you share some of these behind the scenes stories like that. I was over here like a kid in a candy store. I'm big old smiles like, yes, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> But you're absolutely right, like the man. The scene in Greece. Tell this me scene, more. Absolutely, tell man. me more. Like did Bill you know? not have a car? <laughs> but that's the thing, man. And, and the fact that he was going this long without getting into the hall—that's why we were so outraged over here. That's why we were like, "This is nonsense." That this guy hasn't gotten in decades ago because of that impact because of the significance when you go down the list of players that come from HBCUs and for those who don't know we're talking about the historically black colleges yes or universities that's what it's that's called what that's what the HBCU yeah, I'm glad, is I'm glad you historically said that. Yep. black college university think of your Hamptons your Howards your FAMUs your um your uh let's see Grambling states yep. Florida A&M stuff like that right so typically they weren't you know places where the, the scouts, NFL scouts would be going to look for these type of talented players, and Bill Nunn was innovative in terms of going to those schools. That's a little bit more clarification on Correct. what we were talking about. Correct. And when we mentioned the Power Five, obviously we're speaking of because they weren't Power Fives back then, but Correct. your your Floridas, your Virginias, your you know your your Notre Dames, your Ohio State, your your bigger schools, and 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 Army and Navy, yeah, yeah Army and Navy, Air Force, right, the Academy schools. So that was the thing, man, but. The fact, like you said, man, that he was able to be innovative, to go against the grain. And let's be real, doing it during times where that wasn't, you know, we talk about the social climate now. Mm. It was the same back then. Except back then people weren't as open to change as they are now. Absolutely. At least now we're like, oh, we'll Especially have conversation. Especially somebody who looks different exactly. from them too. Yeah. Back then that was that, it wasn't that open ground of, oh, yeah, we'll talk to you about it. Oh, yeah, we'll be more to this, more to that. So, yeah, the fact that he was being a trailblazer, and going in that direction during that time frame as well, 
man, it just speaks even more volumes to the character that he has because it would have been super easy, not only from a career standpoint, but from a personal safety standpoint, man. You, I mean, Absolutely. We're not going we're not going to sugarcoat it. You know, you know it's like we're going here. So, to me, seeing Bill Nunn and hearing the stories of him doing these type of things. It's awesome. And, and even while being laughed at at times because of how he might evaluate a guy, you see the impact. You see how productive his method was. And I'm just glad that even though he can't experience it personally, his family yes. can experience it. And us as Steeler Nation, being an extended part of his family, we get to experience it for him as well, man. So definitely, whew, definitely happy about that, man. The but greatest, I need to. I, oh, go ahead. Oh. No, I was just going to say the greatest draft class ever for mm-hmm. any team in any sport. Talk about the it. The Steelers dude. in 1974. Talk about headed it. Headed up dude. by Bill Nunn. Talk about it, man. Lynn Swan. Wow. Jack Lambert. Uh huh. John Stallworth. How many gold jackets we talking Mike right now? Mike Webster. Okay, keep it going. And then they signed Donnie Shell. Oh, so you said there was another. Okay. Five gold wow. jackets in, one, in class. one class. Unreal. You'll never see that again, Arthur Bucks. Unreal. And finally, he gets the call that he deserves. Wow. That was beautiful, man. That was beautiful. My question for you is this, though. As I got to looking through this group, right, mm-hmm. you got your Peyton Manning, your Woodsons, obviously these, you know, big-time names and stuff. Tom Flores. Who was the biggest surprise to you to get, you know, inducted? For me, I'm not going to lie. Alan Fanica, he's, I was surprised. As much as we speak on him and saying that he deserved to be in and we wanted him in, I really was thinking that they were going to do it again, bro. Yeah. I, More I, I so did. than John Lynch, you think? I, I did. I did. Yeah. Because I could see the whole scenario of once Brian Dawkins got in, I view Lynch and Dawkins in that same thing. I vein. agree. You they're know not, what I mean? They're great. They're not Troy and Ed. Correct. But right. They're great. Troy and Ed yeah. were the, the, the tier by themselves. Correct. But to me, Lynch and Dawkins were right on the they're, same page. They're very, yeah. So I said, same whenever. Church, right. Pew. So I said, okay, if Dawkins is in, then yeah. All right, he had to wait once and then go. I was like, Lynch sense. is going to be in a similar in a similar standpoint. But the way that they always like to talk about Tony Baselli and all these That's other things, I'm just like, oh, God. Oh, God, they're about to do it. They're That's about true. to do it. So I was very, very surprised uh, initially. But then to I see thought, that he got in and none, I was like, whoa. Right. And I thought, both too, of them. because like, you know, you and I both know all the, the politics play into this. Oh, it's huge. You know that. I thought the fact that there was three Steelers from the last year year's class yep. that's getting rolled over. into That they're just yep. like, oh, we're getting five, we right, Steelers. five Steelers in one class. That's too much. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. I was. Now, we, now you and I both know that he deserves it. They, I mean, they, and that's the thing. More than deserved it. They, like, it's not it's not surprising in the terms of— They spread that stuff out. They right, do. You're right. That's the thing. It was more so a surprise because of the politics that go into it as well. But maybe, though, that was yeah. part of what—maybe, honestly, like, they were thinking last this time last year, right? Mm-hmm. Because, remember, it was supposed to be Steelers-Cowboys Hall of Fame game. Yep. It was the bigger centennial class. Uh-huh. So we'll do the three, right? We'll do Caller, we'll do Palomalo, we'll do Shell. And then maybe they were thinking next year we get Fanica in. Yeah. And then it just so happens that it all but, gets but, crunched but together. But also think about this. So which Cowboys went Drew in last Pierce. year? Oh. Um, did we? Did any Cowboys go in last year? Yeah, the coach. Um, Jimmy Johnson, right? Yes, you're right. Jimmy yeah. So they would have two then as well. So, so they have one from last Jimmy year and this Johnson year. Jimmy so. Johnson is in the NFL Hall of Fame, but not but the not Cowboys the Ca- yes. ring of honor because yes. him and Jerry Jones aren't on Which the Which makes of zero sense, right? <laughs> it's nuts. But, yeah. Um, so so that does even yeah, – so, I mean, and I think they already said that it's going to be what, Steelers and Cowboys again for the Hall of Fame? It's going, yes. They yeah. just rolled it So up. that makes perfect sense they then why you would up. see even more so now a Drew Pearson in here to – all right, now we got both. 
Right. That's the politics. Five Steelers, see, one Cowboys. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> and it's gonna be good too from a marketing standpoint if you're the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame or the NFL because 100%. you got two of the marquee franchises in in 100%. sports history, not even football history, in sports history, two of the marquee franchises. And you're going to have double classes, you know what I mean? So you already have the the bigger name people in these classes, but mm-hmm. on top of that, you're going to have big draws from these Heck two yeah. fan bases. So, yeah, man, you're, you're winning, man. Oh, it's going to be a party in Canton in August. Absolutely. For sure. Absolutely. And, and Alan Fanica will be a part of that party. And Arthur Motes, again, for a guy, it, 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 there's no question for me with Alan Fanica. Like we talked about, he was an all-pro eight times. From and 2001 out, to 2008, out. he was an all-pro every single year. Every year. <laughs> like, it, 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 whoa, whoa. He had one year where he, he should have had one more. It's the year he moved to tackle. It's correct. That was it. It's correct. The year he moved to tackle. Yeah. It's crazy. I, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's absolutely insane. I mean, it is. Nine-time Pro Bowler, eight-time All-Pro, six of those first team, uh, NFL All-Decade team, Super Bowl champion, <laughs> I mean. I mean, we, we heard uh, Ed Bouchette, when he talked about for his uh, induction, he said, man, had the lead block to spring Willie Parker for the longest running Super Bowl history. Correct. Like that's a moment. That, no question. You got to have moments. You, we, you it, do. When we Especially talk about Debo, as, like an offensive line. Yeah, I'm gonna say when moments. we talk about Hall of Famers, we're always speaking of the moments, and even guys who we might think is gonna be a longer shot to get in. You bring up the moments, and we always talk about like Harrison and Hines. Like, oh, Hines had the catch in Super. Bowl. Oh, Debo had the pick six in Super. Bowl. You got to have a moment, and Fanica definitely brings that man. He has those things. So, <clears throat> yeah, for me, man, I. I I'm so, I'm just, I'm just so happy that they're in there, man. Me too. And so I, happy. Like and and for different re- for different reasons too, right? Like the history yes. of Bill Nunn and everything that he means to the organization uh-huh. and to and to scouting and to minority people in the na- like minority coaches and scouts and front yes, office members huge, in the National man. Football League. And then Alan Fanica because, you know, just that's more recent. Right. You know, I know you didn't get a chance to play with him, but you got a relationship with Alan. Yeah, man, um, we worked together on a couple of uh, charitable oppor- enough, uh, charitable opportunities right, and stuff right. like that. Awesome um, dude, know, man. Fortunate enough that I've had a few chances at, at training camps and things like that to, you know, to chat with him, to interview him here on SNR. Um, Motsi, I'll, <laughs> I'll never forget some of my most – you know how it's, it's – everybody has this when you're – 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, right? When you first really start getting into and watching yeah. sports, you have those vivid memories that stand out. And one of them for me is the 2003 Steelers season. <laughs> watching my WVU guy, Amos Zaraway, run behind Alan Fanica. <laughs> I mean, I'll just – and and especially to me at that age. I would have been 12. <laughs> especially to me at that age, Arthur Motes. Those to, prime football years to, too, man. To recognize guard – like for guard play to be recognized at that age, it has to be dang good. There's no 12-year-old that's like, hey, Dad, did you see the right guard pull there? My listen, goodness. Listen, listen. <laughs> like, I have, I have Alan people. Alan Fanica jumped off the screen. Yes, he knocked the pop dude's helmets off. Like, he jumped off the Whenever screen. Whenever you get offensive linemen getting noticed and not for penalties, <laughs> that speaks volumes. That, that lets you know the caliber that they are in. And, I mean, <laughs> when you watch him, like you said, you didn't even have to know O-line play. To see no. that, man, this guy is Jumps good at what screen. he does. I don't know if he's doing it right, but he's really good at He's moving people in the direction that we want them to be going yeah, in every not, time. Against their will. A, a, against their will. So so he got to be doing something right. You know? <laughs> Mochi, but, we got now, too. Uh, we got 66 in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh-oh. We got 66 in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Hey, now. And I'm looking at you, Pirates. I was about to say, do we got who, who's a famous 66? I feel like I'm missing someone. Am I missing someone? We don't have a famous 66, do we? 
No, I don't think so. All right. Josh Bell was 55, right? Yeah, I, I remember. I like the five. You know, that's my one. guy. And then Cutch was 22. So. Cutch was 22. I don't think we've had a 66. I don't and, think so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You could get so like a. I mean, and that's the end with the Pirates, though. Like, you know, at least with uh, football, you oh, you got to be this number for this player. Correct. You, you could, or man, you could you put want. a 66 on whoever. Hey, hey, yo, if you're the dope first baseman or, or pitcher, like, hey, you get the number now. What's you were in there. Yasiel Puig. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you got versatility. No, what what a class though, Mozi. No question. Speaking um, of this class, favorite player of the group though. Oh, Peyton Manning, obviously. I mean, come Ooh, on. I mean, come Peyton on. Guy? Well, I mean, if you're gonna like, and I'm taking Bill Nunn and, and Alan Fanica out of the conversation. I've always I, Peyton Manning's one of my favorite quarterbacks. Of oh, all time. okay, okay, I got you. Now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I love Charles Woodson, mm-hmm. Megatron, Calvin Johnson was yeah. just. You know what's really cool? Mm-hmm. You could tell me if I'm wrong. I just thought of this. Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. all easily top five at their position of all time, right? Yes. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah without a doubt. You can yeah, absolutely. Top three. No, honestly. seriously, seriously, you can. I mean, Peyton Manning for sure. It's it's Tom Brady one, and then you could start to yeah. argue Manning. And then for Woodson, Woodson it's, I think it's Dion and Dion and Rod. Like I was, we've so, about, I was gonna say, yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking Woodson as corner, but Woodson as safety was Ooh. still nasty. And then Calvin Johnson, I think you and I would probably take Bro. Moss and Rice, but then I mean he's top three. Like for he's me, top three for me. Literally, yeah, yeah. He he is in that conversation with any of those guys. For me, my favorite player of this group was Calvin Johnson. I know. Like I, you're I, a big, you're a big yeah, Megatron. Guy. I, I, I love Megatron, man. I, like I love he the wide receiver position. I, anytime I can get a guy that can go get that rock, I want a guy that can go get the rock. And then not only that, it's like okay, I need consistent hands. I need speed. I want you to be able to run routes. I want you to make plays in big games. And on top of that, you know, the reason why I really love Megatron is he reminds me why I used to create myself. So my so so me and my brother growing up, we would play Madden. He would be the left-handed quarterback, and I would be the six seven freakazoid wide receiver going to get everything. He just sling it up there, I'm going to get it. And seeing Megatron, it was like, oh, he's real life me. He's the real life creative version I made. And I just fell in love with it. And he does look like a mad, a guy that you created no on question. Madden for sure. And the thing that separates him from those other receivers that we talked about, <laughs> who was his quarterback 100%. during his career? Uh, he did not have uh, Joe Montana throwing him the, the football. The best quarterback he played with is Matthew Stafford. And if I, I asked you right now, because of injuries and stuff like right, that, different right. people coming well, for a game true, or two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if I asked you right now, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? What would you say? I would say no. I'd say he's a he's right. a he's a fine. He's a, quarterback, he's a really good he's quarterback. Not he's not Hall of Famer. No. Whereas when we talk about your rices, who did he play? With? Who was his quarterback? Montana. Mm-hmm. Young. Oh, pretty darn good. Okay, both well, Hall of Famers. When we talk about Randy Moss, Dante Culpepper, pretty good. But he, Tom Brady. I'm gonna say yeah. yeah. yeah Tom Brady got <laughs> really good. I'm gonna say he got, he got a historic year with, with one of these guys. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Randall Cunningham, Dante Culpepper, pretty good. And, and they lit it up Tom there. Brady, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you just see it's, it's a little bit of a difference. Even AB is another guy. Who did he play with? Mm. Oh, oh. AB has caught passes, touchdown passes from two quarterbacks in his career. Uh huh. One is the goat. Uh-huh. The other one's a two-time Super Bowl champion, first ballot Hall of Famer, exactly. Ben Roethlisberger. So, so that was another reason why when I think of Calvin, I'm all, I was always a little yeah. bit more biased because I'm like, you're doing this at the time with zero running game. I think the best backs that he played with, he had Joyke Bell, who I was with in Buffalo for a little while. He came and had some success there. He wasn't doing a ton. Reggie Bush never really turned no. it on like that. I forgot the other guy they had um, – was it best? Javit Best, the, yes. the cat out of yes. cow. He kept yes. dealing with the concussions. Like they never had 
this prolific offense. The offense was always they, they haven't had a thousand yard rusher since exactly like since Nam. Yeah, I think it, I was it, still in diapers. It, the it last was time literally they had a th- well, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was their last thousand yard back. So literally, it was always and, and obviously I played against Megatron multiple times. For and you. that was the other thing. I'm like, I've never played against a guy where literally the game plan was we're going to have three guys follow this guy around the whole time. And not to mention, he still had seven catches for 110 on us. And literally, his, he had a highlight catch in the end zone, him going up and jumping on top of those three guys that were following <laughs> him around and just catching. He's just like, how is this guy that's already this tall jumping this much higher than everyone else? <laughs> and, and that was part of the reason why I would always be a little bit lower on Stafford because I'm like, Stafford, it's a lot easier to play quarterback when you could just throw it up to this guy. That's a good point. Now, granted, it cha- in his right, career. early in his career, now it's yeah. changed these last, you know, he's got, he's, these he's last couple of years because he's had to prove it. Now. Yeah. yeah, but beforehand, I was just like, come on now, man. you just slinging that thing up there. Like, yeah. he ain't even open, and he's open. <laughs> you know, but I, have, I have a couple different shows that I listen to, right? You mm-hmm. know, other than ours. Like, not religiously, not every single right, right. second of every single show. But I like to check in on the Dan Lebetard show. From See, time I'm to faithful time. to you. I don't listen to anyone but you. Be faithful. I'm What's faithful. What's your zodiac sign? I'm lo- loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. Like I, I like uh, Dan Lebetard's show, Pat McAfee's show, Colin Cowherd, the Dan Patrick show. You know, I'll, I'll pop around and, mm-hmm. and check these out and, and things from time again. Not religiously, not every second of every show. But yesterday I was flipping around and Chris Carter was on with McAfee. Which Chris Carter? Um. Our Chris good, Carter good, or the other Chris right, Carter? Right, because there's a lot of Chris Carter. Yes. There's our Chris Carter. <laughs> and, and I play with a Chris Carter here as well. Yeah, you play <laughs> you know with Chris Carter here. Which Chris Carter um, are we going with? The guy who created the TV show X-Files, his name is yes, Chris Carter. Yes, Chris Carter. The yep. guy who started Breakfast with the Beatles. Chris Carter. One of the most famous radio yep. programs ever is Chris Carter. I would say. <laughs> but I'm talking the, the former Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings Hall of Fame wide receiver, ah, Chris Carter. Ah, that Chris Carter. Okay, okay, okay. He said, and they were, talking about, they were talking about Megatron, and he said, he said, dude, he said they used to treat, like, teams would treat Megatron like he was a gunner. Seriously, dude, like, like double I've team him at seen, the beginning. He's like, I've never yes. seen them treat a wide receiver like he's a gunner on the punt, but that's Listen, what teams did to Megatron. J- just to give you a little visual, people might be saying, hey, what's the gunner? What, what does this mean? So, you know, when it's punt formation, you right? So well you got the most. people that are all the way at the end, right next to the sideline, okay? Like and Darius Hayward. Yeah, back. absolutely. And their whole the job, they're, they're the ones who force the punt, right? When, when when the punt is there, they force the fair catch. You see a, a, a guy, you know, about to catch the ball, Deontay Johnson about to return it. He waves his hand and catches usually two guys right next to him. Those are the gunners. And typically it's two or three other guys around them that are trying to block them. The reason why you don't typically see that in the regular, you know, field of play on first, second, and third down is because structurally it handicaps your defense. You're essentially taking a safety, taking a corner, and saying, hey, your regular responsibility, which might be in the middle of the field or on the tight end, no, 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 you're not looking at that guy anymore. You in this corner, you two guys are going to walk up directly in arm's length where you can touch this guy, you know, if you were going to line up offsides. You could essentially touch him. That's how close I want you guys covering him. And literally, left corner, your job is to put your two hands on him, make sure he doesn't go to the left. Right corner, make sure he doesn't go to the right. And then we still going to have a safety in the middle of the field, 30, you know, 20, 30 yards deep to protect <laughs> you over the top. That's what he was getting consistently. And he was still torching it. That's the problem. That's like, insane. how? Like, it's, you look at his number. Like, think about the run nuts. that – we talk about the run that A.B. went on here, right? Throughout his, what, nine – he had nine, mm-hmm. nine years here, but – Six to seven on where he was just dominant, right? You look at Calvin's career, and it was the same exact thing from a window standpoint. But you just think it to yourself like, dude, the fact that he was doing this with that type of coverage, like how? 
How? It, the <laughs> fact that he only played nine NFL seasons and he's a Hall of Famer, I think, tells you everything you no, need no, to no, know. No, no, no. Not just a Hall of Famer. A first ballot Hall first of Famer. First ballot Hall of like, Famer. Yeah. Never, has he even been to the postseason? One time. The one time it was that. I'm, first team All Pro three times. Pro Bowler six times. Motsi almost had a 2,000 yard receiving yep. season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like 1,900, right? 1964. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. insane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this man. Oh, six yards away from it. I'm like shorting out over here. 36 yards away from having a 2,000 yard receiving season. That's crazy. With the Detroit Lions. And let's be real, in that division, you're playing against the Bears, who we know defensively. Typically, oh historically, goodness. the Bears have been good defensively. The Packers during the that Lions time were, were good. That year, by yeah, the way. I was about to say, the yeah, during that, that time, yeah. 1,900 reception yards. The Lions were 4 and 12. He was the offense. Different, Arthur Motes. That man was just it's, different. It's levels to it, and man. What a, I mean, what a Hall of Fame class. It's levels to it, man. One of the best I, quarterbacks I'm, ever, one of the best defensive mm-hmm. backs ever, one of the best wide receivers ever. One of the best guards ever. You get Drew Pearson. You get Bill Nunn. You get John Lynch. You get Tom Flores. Really, really cool draft class. Absolutely, man. So shout out to those guys, Alan Fanica and Bill Nunn, once again. But when we get back, man, we got to talk about another historic performance. Oh, no. <sighs> History was made once again with a certain individual that oh, one no. person on this airwave decided to provoke and say that oh, would no. never have success in another big game. I hope that wasn't me. <sighs> Which they did. So when we come back, we will have to. Deep dive into that. This is Motes and Euler on SNR.